Well, well, hey, we've got a different beginning today. I'm just uh, talking with um, Rolf Kramer, and it's just being so interesting. I just have to continue. Oh, we can carry on right away. Yes, that's all right with me. That would be um, let me have a let me have a sip of water, and I'll be okay. Bei mir auch. Okay, alles klar. Bis gleich. Welcome to Discover Energy Work. We're on part two. Uh, we we're having a fantastically interesting conversation really i could say unlike any conversation i've had before um with uh, rolf kramer uh who is a well i, I we, you've listened to the last episode you know what it's about we're talking about amazing things um experiences which certainly you might say uh put our lives in perspective and put our experiences in perspective and uh, I'm just fascinated in the experience that uh, Rolf has in terms of um, things that we, you know, we're often told just aren't real or, um, uh, or, or are figments of our imagination. And, uh, you know, my, my feeling is, Rolf, if I say, it's almost like with this perspective that you're bringing in, um, it brings a whole new dimension to mental health. Is that, would you say that? I should say so, yes. Yeah. Um, for two reasons. One is believing the client uh, in a, how shall I say, in a factual way, rather than uh, interpreting him symbolically or by some theory. Uh, and secondly, listening him out to the end uh, rather than interrupting after a set time which is rather cruel actually when the tears well up it's rather cruel to say well sorry your time's up and next one please I mean that's no way of going about it uh, using the galvanic skin response meter uh, should be rather useful in psychotherapy, actually, because all you have, all you would have to do is check the charge level at the beginning of a session and the charge level at the end of the session. If the session was worth anything, the charge level afterwards should be lower than the charge level in the beginning. So even in that respect, it could be a very useful tool. Mm. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I, I get. I, just, I just, just as a monitor. And, and it brings me um, to the, the whole point of, uh, I mean, I wrote my uh, senior project for my bachelor's in psychology uh, was we don't know uh, what the self is. There's so much evidence that the self is not what we think it is. In fact, we, we don't really have great definitions for it. Um, and that our minds really do have the capacity in terms of a self, as far as we, we call it right now, to travel to different, well, let's say dimensions in terms of, we're talking about uh, a dimension of uh, time and space uh, when we're here, and we can go back in our minds to, to past events, but we have things uh, which, you know, we've talked about um, in other podcasts called remote viewing, where people are going to, uh, distant places and getting actionable information as far as the intelligence services are concerned. If you, we talk about uh, Paul Smith, 
shares a little bit of experience of his experiences uh, as a, a Department of Defense um, DIA, so Defense Intelligence Agency psychic, um, saying that they they got a they got a, um, a job to to find out where um, drugs were being dropped in America uh, from the DEA, so the drug um, and whatever it is. The, the drug uh, agency in America, and it's in the middle of nowhere. There's, there's no, nobody knows about it. Only a few people know where the drugs are going to be dropped. And there's DEA agents showing up, and the drugs are dropped in the middle of nowhere because they know psychically, um, and there's just like incredible stories. Um, and I feel like that's a whole aspect, um, which, which. To a certain extent, I mean, look at it, looking at it from a social point of view, opening people's up, uh, people's uh, capacity to uh, access information has a certain threat uh, to keeping things secret. If we wanted to keep things secret, well, ultimately uh, speaking, there is no privacy because uh, in the spiritual world, all is open. Um, and to analyze what you've just said about remote viewing and mind and self from a mind-walking viewpoint, if I may, yeah, it sure. doesn't take long. Uh, we take as long as you like. <laughs> really, right. I'm fascinated. We distinguish between self and mind, and the mind is something we are using. Uh, we put the mind to use. The mind consists, the mind is not a box with stuff in it. The mind is a set of faculties, such as the faculty to think or um, to recall or to imagine. And uh, what we do as beings, as the selves that we are, we have thought and we direct attention. And that's how we get in telepathic contact with places. Uh, and um, then we, we can recall stuff, which is a mental thing. We can imagine stuff, which is a mental thing. We come up to logical conclusions, which is a mental thing. But as spirits, we direct attention and we have intentions. So we say, I want to look at that. And then we look at it. Uh, and then we record what we've seen and that goes into the mind. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the performance of remote viewing, which you have described, um, is not so uh, enigmatic when you consider that the people who dropped the drugs were thinking of doing that and were doing it and were recalling having done it. So the moment you want to find out about it, you're not really contacting the, the drug, which is only a material object. You're contacting the guy who had the thought. And by picking up that, you will get directed to the place where that drug was actually dropped. So in other words, it's telepathy with the originator of the plan, not with the physical result of the plan. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... Uh that's an interesting uh, point of view um, and it what what is interesting is you have these experiences that these remote viewers have done when they've they've actually gone to, their intention uh, has gone extra planetary 
and they've gone to different places. Um, exactly. This is what happens in mindwalking. The difference between mindwalking and remote viewing is that a remote, remote viewer will give himself a target. And in mindwalking, we are waiting to be invited for a communication because we are starting with a um, personal um, limitation. Let's not call it problem. We, we, talk about, we, we are working on limitations. I'm not as capable as I feel I should be. So what is limiting your capability? And then the person feels drawn toward a, towards a memory image or towards a limiting factor which exists right now, such as a being somewhere who has a tele telepathic line in with him in order to control him. And that's how we get into dialogue with that sort of being. So it's not because we want to, because it's the client or the solo mind walker is drawn that way. Right, and, and uh, um, let me give a, I, I hope it's a segue, so correct me if I'm wrong. In the same way that, you know, our, uh, the intention of our parents, you know, to uh, vicariously live uh, their lives through us or uh, to do what, what they didn't do um, is kind of an energy which comes and controls us, you know, as we're growing up and we hopefully we grow to the point where we realize, no, I, I need to find out what I, what I want to do. What you're saying with mind walking is you've come to a level where some, maybe all of us have uh, programs which are coming from an external source rather than just the family or, you know, uh, but even on a, from another dimension. So can you tell me some stories about that? You know, your experience? Well, um, every, all of that is, is, is true. Um, there is, even now in psychology, they're talking about transgenerational stuff, which has been uh, put across the, uh, the the family lines from grandfather or great grandfather to to um, the the, the um, what do you call it the, the son what's below the son the uh, descendants the ancestors uh, of the descendants uh, no the the one down the line um, uh, the great son um, oh right okay sorry yeah. Uh, so uh, the, we found that a person may suffer from a headache and following up that headache, um, you will find that you, you get into the incident where grandfather was shot in the first war and received a bullet in the head. And it's known that grandfather died in the first war in such and such battlefield, but nobody knows how he died. So in other words, the grandson may find out how grandfather died by getting the image of his traumatic experiencing leading to his death. So that can happen within the family and it's transmitted um, because call it, um, it it's, the people, mother and father, uh, and everybody in the family has all these balloons hanging around him, consist, meaning um, unresolved experiences of the past. And these balloons you will contact and make them turn them into your own balloons and suffer from them. And the same is true for the white telepathic world. Um, there is no location, there's no limit in terms of location and distance. 
and time, um, you may be affected by uh, some traumatic uh, goings on in some spaceship uh, on some planet, uh, in some angelic world, you may be affected by a demonic being who is out to control mankind or to control any helpful spirit or whatever. And um, the intention of beings reaches across all uh, physical limitations in terms of um, uh, space and time. So uh, in a word, we are knowingly or rather unknowingly connected with um, anything that has intentions or has had intentions in the past. And what mind talking is really about is um, detecting and undoing unwanted relationships. Right. Because, because I may carry with me um, an old grievance somebody had with somebody else, which I picked up on the way. Um, to give a very graphic example, you may walk across a battlefield or you may walk uh, under a tree where they used to hang people in the old days and you may pick something up and you may have bad dreams. Mm -hmm. So in other words, you'd stumbled into a relationship with something that you didn't fully recognize and therefore didn't resolve. So it's all about relationships be it with aliens, be it with spaceships, or with, or with people hung on trees. It's always the same thing. It's fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating because uh, you're talking about um, uh, it from that point of view. And I, I wanted to share an anecdote which just sprang to mind. Uh, my, my Taoist master was walking through the British Museum with somebody who knew very little about energy work, but knew enough to feel energy. And they went into the uh, basement where they have the Egyptian, um, the Egyptian uh, exhibition. And master said, uh, "Don't don't feel any of the energy. Don't check the energy here. Just leave it alone." Yeah. And um, so the guy, thinking, you know, oh, there's going to be some great secret here, he reached out and he checked the energy. And this cold energy entered his hand as it, you know, he reached out to feel, you know, like that. And cold energy entered his hand and it's starting going up his left hand towards his heart. And he's getting more and more upset. And, and Ramos says, yeah, it's, it is death magic. It is energy. It, everything in there, if you were energetically aware, you'd run away because this is, this is serious stuff. Yeah. These people, they knew what they were doing. Um, but it's, it's, I'm interested, but I'm certainly not gonna to touch it. And he took then uh, this person up to the um, Tibetan and Chinese section of the British Museum. And they have a fresh fresco of Guan Yin, who was uh, the goddess of um, uh, compassion and mercy. And because uh, he said, I'm not, I told you not to touch it. I'm not gonna get rid of it for you. Hold up your hand and direct it towards that fresco. And literally it was just like being pulled out of him, that, that energy was being pulled out of his arm. And he thought it was gonna hit his, touch his heart. And he said like, if it, teacher said, if it touches your heart, you know, we've got, a, we've got another problem. 
yeah um and uh, <laughs> and this is this energy is being drained out of him and he was fine but um it it reminds me that some people they don't even know um like this abu i say like abu Ghraib. abu Ghraib was this place where people were tortured in uh, i think it was in iraq and then the americans went in there and these good guys started you know well i'll say good guys yeah they started doing bad things there and of course in the walls, in the doors, in the paper of this place was an energetic signature of the bad things that were going on, yeah? And people going in, yeah, this is just a building. They don't really recognize that there's a lot of uh, pollutants, I would say, uh, which can throw them off and, well, in some cases, obviously terribly affect the rest of their lives and uh, quite, you know, traumatizing. So well, you're speaking of spiritual contamination uh, or of aggressive energies flying about. Mm. And um, you can cleanse them by standing up to them. So rather than uh, talking about uh, Taoist um, principles, you, you don't work against things. You invite it, you let it flow through. Now that would require your being bigger than the influence. So standing down, down, downstairs in that Egyptian place uh, with all these dark energies uh, flowing about, if you now resist, you get contact and then it, it, it starts to go into you. So if you were able to have it and read it off, you could actually discharge it and cleanse it. You could cleanse this whole place if you really had a mind doing it, but it would take some statue to um, to to live up to that, yeah. I, I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of work. Um, and then, uh, you know, I sometimes, uh, you know, seeing it from another point of view, like um, it is sometimes through negative experience that people learn. You know, I think you know they sometimes almost want to they want to go through that negative experience to learn. Yeah, it's almost. I mean, that, that, now that is obviously, you know, going to be a very controversial thing. But I think we see sometimes, you know, people uh, choosing the partner that they, they choose. And, and I remember a wonderful friend of mine, he's uh, a shaman and everything else. And he said that the most enlightened period of his life, his girlfriend came into his life and it got difficult from that moment. But he chose her. He chose this person and it was a good relationship that sort of didn't work out. And he's like, well, why did I choose it? I said, well, remember you were at a, a deep, deep point of understanding at that time. So there must've been something that you were trying to do. So, so I would say it all comes down to karma because you're, you're looking for challenges in order to resolve them because sometimes in the past you didn't resolve them. Because some, something gets you to pick up that particular fight. So why? Right. And, and, and it brings me to, I mean, to want to ask you why, actually. Do you have any ideas or, or you know, over the uh, years? Why are you referring to what? Why do people pick up the karma? Why do they, why are they not able to let go of certain certain experiences or lessons or they want to experience having money life after life after life and they never they never let it go for example 
Well, karma is the result of your doings. You smile at your neighbor, your neighbor's going to love you the next day. You bark at your, your neighbor, the neighbors are not going to like you the next day. So don't complain about the neighbor not liking you. The question is, what did you do in order to upset him? And that goes through the whole chain of incarnations and all your contacts with aliens and, and spirits all along the line. Uh, either you've caused grievances or you've caused happiness. And that's what's, uh, what's, what's, these are the relationships that are in, in your, inside your backpack. That, that's what you carry around. So you have to pick them up one after the other and clean them. So we talk about failure and about um, withholding uh, from yourself and from others that you have failed. And when I know this is not moralistic, please. When I say failure, I'm referring to things which you are as the being. At the, each being has at his his well, how do you say his or her core or its core a some basic intention, some sort of God-given intention. Everybody's on their way for some purpose or other. And when you act according to the purpose and successfully, you're okay. And when you go off that line, you have transgressed and you have failed. And that's the whole intention is to get back on the line and do whatever you were made to, to, to do and, and result fully. So uh, th this is not philosophical, this is experience. People, uh, spirits, come out of, you might call it the grand light or the grand consciousness, and out of that um, separates out an individual consciousness. And that individual consciousness then believes to be individual, which is where the trouble comes in. In the teachings of Advaita, you know that me being here and it being there, the grand, the grand beingness, the grand consciousness are really one in the moment I have that feeling, I'm all right, I'm happy. But the moment I feel separate and go my own way, uh, I can be in trouble. But then I have to follow a path which is in a way prescribed by my um, a basic calling, you might call it. And when I've acted accordingly, successfully, I can return. So basically, everybody wants to get home. Everybody wants to go home to the place where they come from. And all this meditation and religion is basically to get back to God, to give it a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yes, uh, I seem to be repeating the, um, um, the parable of the prodigal son a lot to people these days, which mm -hmm. is um, essentially about leaving home and then realizing that all these things that I was looking for with money and, you know, friends and fame and whatever they they really don't have meaning and when i go home i'm actually i'm welcome home yeah yeah um, um but i mean it brings me to two points one is um the you could imagine and i think it's reasonable to imagine that once people come in and people will be listening to this and be a little bit scared because when you're talking about things like demons and aliens and everything else, they start, oh, demons and aliens are affecting me. Um, have you found that people that have done mind walking have become a little bit paranoid that they've gone, oh, you know, demons and aliens are affecting me or they've gone, oh, that's what that was. I now need to be careful of that. 
Um, as I said earlier, we get drawn towards the things by invitation, as it were. So when you feel you aren't as good and capable as you feel you, you ought to be, and we are looking at the cause, you may feel that you are um, uh, coming close to a, a real example. Now, you, you, you may feel um, uh, that you were on your way here to earth as a spirit, uh, as a free floating spirit, you were on your way to earth in order to act as a helper, as a developer. This happens in so many cases, this is nothing unusual. Many people, to my own amazement, uh, sitting in front of me are having their first body on earth. They never had an incarnation on earth. I thought that was amazing because I grew up with the Bhagavad Gita and you have, you have to have had millions of incarnations to, to be worth anything. But no, people come from out there uh, perhaps never having had a body and decide to take, a, not decide, uh, come to in order to help and for that they need to take a body. Now on the way they may get interfered by um, energy phenomena which turn them upside down and make them forget who they are and what they wanted. Mm. And um, now this person sits in front of me and says, well, I feel I'm here for a purpose, but I don't know the purpose. So we work on that. And then he comes, well, there's the swirl. I'm, I'm traveling down. I'm getting into the swirl. Um, I'm being turned through the mill and um, I forget who I am. And whilst we're working through that, he may feel the more he works through it, which should be a discharge and a relief, the more he works through it, the more So you say, what's going on? You're getting more and more charged up. And you, he says, well, minute, I feel you, you froze for a second. Can you go back? The more he works through it, the more, and then you The went more he works through it, the more he gets charged up. The oh. normal event would be the more he works through it, the more he would discharge. Right. So he, he sees more and more and more what happens, but at the same time builds up more and more charge. So I say, well, what's going on? We are building up more charge, although you're describing this very well. And he says, well, I don't know. I feel this tremendous pressure on me. So where, what do you make of it? What pressure? He says, well, it seems to come from over there. And then suddenly this over there turns out to be some spaceship crew or some reptile being or whatever, who happens to be online with us. He is some other place, but right now. And that's where the dialogue with him will start. And the session partner will be not happy about this. He will be not paranoid about it. He will just be... Uh, well, a little bit frightened. And, um, but the dialogue is possible and encouragement through the session guide helps. And then we get this guy to confess his sins and he, he drops his job. And that's how we have, how shall I say, trained the personnel resources on the other side to a certain extent. Amazing. Because a being is not basically bad. A being is basically good. So the fact that this guy is there giving someone a hard time means he's got twisted. 
at some point in his line of existence. When you find that point, he can't do it anymore. Turning so, devils into angels, that's the job you're doing. Right, right. Okay, um, yeah, I can, I can see that. I'm also interested in, in your, your um, the term you use the online, I think you've used um, a similar, almost like computer terms. And I was looking recently at the, uh, I think it's called the data processing theory of uh, memory. And now there's a whole theory uh, of attention and memory that, that explains you, you, how, how you're referring to the word you're referring to mind file is that what you mean uh did you use the term, the term mind file? you use the term online i think i've read in the book mind file yeah. um and and it fits very much and i've forgotten the name of the theory i think it's called the data processing theory or information processing okay. theory I know um which says we have um we become we get a sensory input and then we um we have to go to our short-term memory and then we go to our long-term memory and we, we're, we're, we're making all these file exchanges to try and put it into our world whenever we see something. And then if we need to, um, then we can, if we need to, we go into our long-term memory. And, and then I was thinking, well, it's almost like, because we talk about the episodic memory, the short-term memory, the medium-term and long-term, but we also talk about the implicit memory. Is that, are you aware of the implicit memory? The memory. So, if you have a, I'm not aware of this. I'm not aware of this whole model. Um, of implicit implicit memory is the memory that when you have a traumatic experience, um, you can't remember it. You 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 lose your memory, but it goes into a level a level of memory that you're not you can't easily access called the implicit memory. Um, and uh, and I'm always thinking, well, you know, and we don't have a memory. A lot of people don't have memory until they're like four or five. They don't have an you know, early year memory. And that's all in this implicit memory. So we, we, it's more of like a feeling that something happened rather than actually being able to recall it you know, uh, in the way we do as adults. Um, and uh, I'm just wondering, as a psychologist, and I'm sorry because you haven't, you haven't looked at the theory, um, but as a psychologist, I can see a lot of analogies between the computer and, and a almost like accessing a whole kind of new internet of uh, information about who we are and where we come from and the influences that are, that are on us uh, with your, uh, what shall I say, is it technology or technique or, or in, uh, method? Method, yeah. Well, um, the comparison or the analogy with a computer is certainly seductive. Um, but uh, in terms of modeling, um, we see this very simply, really, in, in mind walking. Uh, it has to do with attention and thought. Uh, you put attention on uh, a brick coming your way and um, you don't want that brick to uh, hit you. So you go like this and you look away and that's physical, but mentally you do the same thing. You push energy against it and you, don't, you look away. You don't want to read off the story that's happening. 
but you've made an imprint of that story by putting energy against it. So now you wake up after three days hospital and you don't know what went on. Somebody says, well, a brick hit you. And they say, yeah. you say, oh yeah, but you don't get the recall because you've pushed it away. So now you do a session and um, the, the moment of unconsciousness, which is the moment of um, intentional repression, that will uh, come to light and you will see, usually from a position outside your body, you see how your body, your head gets hit by this brick, how it falls down, how the ambulance comes and all that. And um, the same thing now, um, years later or in your next life would look like this. Um, you see people building a, a, a house, a large house, and you see that one worker drops a brick and another worker uh, luckily sees that brick coming and steps aside and doesn't get hit. But that touches you in a big way and you start develop, develop, developing migraine headaches where you, before you never had any. So um, that little incident you observed acted as a trigger yeah. evoking your own thing, which, which you call implicit memory and you don't know it. And then in a session I would go, well, uh, this headache, what may, may it go back to? And it says, well, it feels like being hit by a brick. And then you get the image and then you resolve the incident. Right. So in other words, images are created by mental energy. Mm. And that's all you need to know. You recreate the image the moment the button is pressed. So you see this worker drop this brick almost hitting the other worker and that presses a button in you and that evokes the old incident which you don't look at. Mm -hmm. So the energy image is created, but you don't look at it. So you go have a beer and it crumbles and it goes away. So you had a headache for 10 minutes and it goes away. Next thing, a couple of days later, you see, uh, um, I don't know, um, an, app, an apple falling off a tree and a little baby sitting under that tree. And you say, oh my God, if that baby got hit by an apple, whoop, you get a head, headache. And so it goes. And then mm -hmm. so that, that way a pattern is established. In the end, you wind up having headaches all the time. Right. So it's an energy thing. The thought of getting hit recreates, makes you recreate the energy image and that presses on you physically, talking about energy work, presses on you physically and creates a headache. So that's what you have to find out in, in the session. What's the story behind that? It, it, I mean, it, what it sounds like, um, and then I'd be curious to know what the experience is. It sounds like uh, the experience of going through uh, the mind walking sessions would be quite empowering for the person uh, connecting to their own uh, minds, to their, their selves, where they can go with, with thoughts and, and feelings so that they start to have um, a clearer self-perception. Is, that, is well, that your experience? Well, exactly. The, the point of the matter is not repair. 
The point of the matter is um, knowing who you are. So by getting rid of these, call, I, I called it before, um, balloons, rocks in your backpack, by oh, getting my. rid of those rocks, you get lighter and lighter. Mm. But also, you know, increasingly, you understand your own identity, you know who you were, you know what your purpose is, and you start to see your future, you start to see, and I mean this literally, you start, uh, you see your future like you saw your past, this is possible, and you get the courage to encounter that future. So in other words, um, a greater sense of self or a sense of being a greater self uh, will arise as you go, go along with that. Right. And, and of course, I think, uh, I think they often say, I uh, forget who it was, some poet said, we're not afraid of, um, uh, we're most afraid of who, of our greatness than uh, yes. the, the things that... That's, that, that, that's Khalil Gibran. Khalil, Khalil Gibran said that. Right. Um, yes. There's a lot of truth in that. Yes. That's a lovely line, yes. And I'm... Because, I'm, because, I'm, because, 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 if we, we, we cannot accept our own greatness because we would also have to accept the responsibility for having lost it. And that takes us back to failures and coming to terms with them. And that is the actual job. Yeah, it, it's, it, it is interesting. And actually it brings me to a point which is, um, I, and I don't want to get you into any trouble because uh, I know Germany's laws are, you know, about, I was a chiropractor in Germany. I was a, a naturopath in Germany. And, and the Germans, if you even say the word healing, you, you, you know, but sometimes I've worked with people as a healer. So I'm, I'm doing an energy healing. That's, that's sort of one of the things that I feel um, that I'm called to do. And I'm working with people and I, they, say, they say to me, well, you know, I think it's because, and I said, can I just correct you? If you knew what it was, you probably wouldn't be coming to see me. Yeah, it's, it's something which you are hiding from yourself because exactly. it's too painful or difficult or it changes in a way you can't be the same person that you're being right now to right. and see it. So you need somebody essentially, essentially acting as a, a middleman to, um, to connect with it and defuse it. Precisely. Um, Precisely. You, you, you can't, you don't have the strength to look at your own um, nasty stuff. You need someone to be the mediator between you and you. Right. And yeah. And it's not an easy thing because uh, as many, many people talk, uh, talk about, if we, uh, um, I like, I like to say, um, if we have a fire in the house and your approach is to turn off the smoke alarms, that isn't actually, <laughs> that isn't actually helping the situation. So getting rid of, so, getting rid of the uh, symptom is not solving the problem. Yeah. If it were yeah. so simple. Yeah. Um, uh, what you said before, uh, the, the, how shall I say, remolding of a person, like coming to terms with big stuff also means a transformation of the person. Um, and people 
are in a mind walking session, I mean, within those 12 to 15 hours, big stuff happens to people because they have to suddenly realize, hey, um, this is not my first life. Hey, I'm coming from some heavenly area with a mission. Hey, I got interrupted by aliens. I mean, that's a lot of stuff to happen in 15 hours, but guided by the session guide, people can stomach that. But not everybody. Um, fortunately, it doesn't happen often. I had in 40 years of work, only two cases where the, the, the session partner in the middle of the session stood up and said, look, if we went on this way, everything that I consider holy would be put in question. Thank you very much. But that happened only two times. Uh, the rest of the people were happy to explore in order to find their greater self. Yes, yes. I've, I've experienced that many times and I, that's why I'm, I, I take the approach that um, I don't necessarily believe in a big psychic renaissance. That's, I, I don't even feel like that's my job. I think um, the change in our identity that happens once you, once you realize you know, the, the, the size of, of who we are or, or the interconnections of who we are and the fact that you know, nothing is really hidden, it, it's so big, our whole society would have to have massive changes. And I don't think we're ready for it. And I think it needs to happen very gradually. And, you know, um, and I'm, I, I've, I've made my peace with it in a way. Um, I don't believe in a psychic renaissance either. Uh, I believe in gradual improvement. Uh, when you look at the known history of mankind, um, we had uh, a terrible, um, uh, we had dictatorships and tyrannies. We had um, owning people, considering people slaves and, and that sort of thing. And now we have human rights and we have democracies and it doesn't work so well, all of that, but it's a lot of improvement compared to earlier on. So there is a general renaissance going on. And even within the 40 years that I'm doing this job, I can see that certain phenomena, which were very troublesome in the eighties are not popping up anymore. In other words, there is work being done and it's not us mind focus being the only ones doing that work, there's work being done all around the planet, making things easier. Hmm. I think almost, um, I'd be interested in your opinion. I haven't looked into it, but talking with you now, I feel like that there's this, um, uh, we're, we're having more and more identity crises and the people, uh, uh, for example, they're born in a, uh, say a male body and they say oh, but I'm a woman or they're born in a female body and they say I'm a man and now we have uh, trans species people who say I'm born in a in this human body but I'm a cat or I'm a whatever and um, this is our society is not saying oh you're crazy they're saying oh okay well we ex we accept that you know this there is another um we don't see it as a sickness anymore, quite simply. Uh, so uh, transsexuals, transsexuals are no longer, I think, in the DSM, um, in the Diagnostic Manual for Psychological Sicknesses or, or Psychiatric Sicknesses. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
you might say that that's you know how we're dealing with things um and then with uh, there is also a certain amount of uh, what i call scientism which is um, a blind belief in science and materialism uh which is also a little bit disconcerting but uh, yeah i digress uh, i I would agree that society has been has become more permissive and that way people don't get punished for who they are but of course transgender phenomena are as old as mankind except they would be played out during carnivals or during shamanistic or satanistic rites that was the place where it was allowed to happen and now you can admit to it and say well I'm I I'm I'm in a male body I feel like a woman or whatever um the handling is rather stupid though because it's handled with um surgical means and and medical means and pharma means to me as a mind walking trainer it would be most interesting to find out how that person wound up in the wrong body and how to get him to come to an agreement uh, to some sort of compromise with the fact that he has the body he's having mm. It, it reminds me when you talk of mind, mind walking. It reminds me of uh, Tai Chi and pushing hands. So mm. this dialogue where you ask a question when you're doing pushing hands, and you get an answer, but it's always uh, following the path of least resistance. So it's always mm. it's always very very. Um, um, if anybody pushes you in Tai Chi, ideally they fall into a hole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, that, that. I, I learned a lot from that. I've done Aikido for a number of years, and that has helped me to understand communication. Ah, okay, yes. Now, I I I'm a little bit worried about the time because I know um, you know uh, we we can go on, but I, I'm fascinated. You've developed this uh, whole method, and have you taught people? I mean, have you talked about I've been people? teaching people to, to the, the idea of mind walking is not to create, to create, is to create self-determinism, which means um, not create dependency on uh, the mind walking guide. So we teach people to go on solo as soon as possible. So you get your sessions, like talking to you now, you'd get your sessions uh, one or two lots of 12, 15 hours, and then you'd have understood the, the, the world of the mind sufficiently to be put on solo for which a certain training would be needed and then you can do it by yourself. So that's the idea. And in that respect, I have trained many, many people. Uh, professionally, we are only um, seven or eight, I believe, um, because not everybody finds it in himself to work with others and take on that responsibility. Yeah, uh, but yes, good. I am teaching others and there is a curriculum and there is a license in the end because that's my only way to ensure quality to, to issue a license in the name of that trademark. And um, in that sense, uh, it, is, it can expand in a reliable and trustworthy way. Right. So, so um, if somebody wants to do mind walking uh, as a trademark, you've 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 guaranteed a certain amount of uh, quality control by trademarking trademarking it, and then uh, the people that you've licensed 
they are able to give those 15 hours uh, sessions or the, those blocks of 15 hours. Is that well, they, they are able to give sessions to the end result, whatever, uh, however long it may take. And um, perhaps I should add that to you as a psychologist, um, each session is recorded in handwriting whilst the talk is going on, and then it's summarized and put um, as an email attachment uh, and sent to the um, supervisor. So in other words, you are always under, uh, with a second opinion right. uh, so on your session. Yeah. And that is the actual quality control. Hmm. Okay. And, you know, we've been through lockdown. I mean, I can imagine um, that the, the, the number of people coming to you just because, I mean, I, my, I lived in Germany for many years and my, my son wanted to go to a restaurant and he had to do some tests where they stuffed something in his nose. And, you know, that was valid for a, a period of time. So it's certainly a lot stricter than where I am. Um, is there... You, you talking to Nick, there is uh, the ability to use the um, sensors uh, to use them over a distance. So do you do remote sessions if people can get hold of those sensors? Is that something that's possible? Um, to do a remote session, I would have to be on the electrodes and contact that person telepathically. Oh, uh, the other person doesn't have to have them in, in their hands. I'm capable of doing remote sessions, but they're only done um, with friends and family um, uh, because the person has to mean something to you in order to, to do that sort of job. Also, remote sessions cannot be done on personal stuff. Of, in other words, if the other person has uh, gotten personally into some trouble, you can't help him, but you can help him if he's connected with some being or energy field, you can discharge that for him. So in other words, the transpersonal stuff can be resolved by remote sessions. Oh. The strictly personal stuff, um, that is up to the person himself or herself. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the number of clients I'm having through uh, is not diminished through, through, through lockdown because what I'm doing is crisis relevant. So um, I'm all right to work. Right. <clears throat> that's, that's, um, that's interesting. I was imagining that, that with, the, um, with the internet that, we, that I could hold uh, uh, the sensors and you would have that connected through your browser and you'd be able to, to see what was going on with me. Merely digitally, this possibility is indeed there, but I wouldn't do that sort of session because it would be most irresponsible on my part, because what am I gonna do when you break down crying or when you fall off the chair unconscious and you sit over in, in Thailand? I mean, that's, that is no way to guarantee results. <laughs> okay, now tell me about these people who have fallen off the chair and, and been falling down crying. I imagine that happens, obviously, when people are touching people. Well, um, it, for example, you, you sit as a solo mind walker and you are contacting 
um, somebody's incident, it may not even be your owner incident, you, you're, you're, contact, you're in contact with the being and that being has had an incident that made that being unconscious. In other words, he got annihilated by some extreme energy, by some aggressive um, demonic guy. So you are now working with this telepathic entity as your session partner. And now you get him to the point where he gets knocked out, at which point you may get knocked out and fall down with your head on the table and wake up 15 minutes later to discover that 15 minutes are gone. Yeah. And that can happen in solo. It can also, but rarely happen in a session with a session partner, the session partner recalls a moment of extreme duress and unconsciousness then, which is replayed as unconsciousness now. And may get, he may feel very dizzy and get a little bit wonky and shaky and you have to rush around to keep him from falling off the chair. That sort of thing can happen. Traumatization is a very, very powerful thing people people get the shakes people hop about with the chair in the room and we talk about big energy that's yeah. amazing and you, you you can't have that on skype right i understand you yeah um, you mentioned you make a telepathic uh connection now i imagine that that must have been something that's that was that something that gradually came in that you realized you were able to make telepathic connections with people I am perfectly untalented, untalented in that respect. So what I can do now is the result of slow learning. Right. Um, some people have a talent and uh, to them it of course comes easier. Um, it, the, the, the development was actually, this is in my mind walking book in this, in this un unbounded book here. Um, the book is written in, this, in the way uh, how the discoveries went. So the first discoveries was, hey, there's a past life. And then it was, hey, there's people who never had um, a past life. And then, hey, you could have past lives which aren't your own, but have our attachments downloaded from others. And, and then, hey, we, we are in contact with somebody else somewhere. So these things um, happened along the line gradually hmm. it's uh it's amazing i mean uh, i i think um we could talk about this uh more i think there's oh yes there's no um there's no limit i'm, I'm fascinated because you've already what you're almost talking about there is you're talking about well i know you've come for therapy but actually there's an entity which is coming through you that has kind of got a problem which is coming through you and we need to do the session for the for the entity. Um, exactly, very yeah. good. Richard, thank you very much. I'm delighted you have understood a very important point about mind walking and expressed it very well, thank you. Um, well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I have um, um, uh, gradually, I, I mean, it, you know, I was living in Landau in the Falls um, it can't be that far away from you um, for many years. And I was going through uh, my, I say, Offenbarung, so my, uh, my experience where energy was presenting itself after meeting this Taoist master. And, and 
you know, you, you start to realize these things very gradually, you know, because there's nobody really teaching you. Um, and you do realize, and I didn't have a psychology degree at the time, uh, you do realize that if you tell anybody, um, you're likely to end up in the uh, psychiatric hospital. And that, that, by the way, is where there are a lot of disturbed people. If you're energetic sensitive, that's when you're going to get really sick. Um, so you want to avoid going there. <laughs> Um, the many, if not most people in the uh, psychiatric ward have experiences which could simply be resolved if anyone took them seriously and asked them for what was happening. But once they have received their load of um, um, downers uh, in hammers, yeah, the. Um... Yeah, uh, the stimulants or whatever, it is hard to get them into the necessary mode of concentration over the necessary time span in order to resolve these things. That's rather tragic. Rolf, um, I, I can't thank you enough for um, so clearly, um, candidly, no nonsense uh, in a very down-to-earth way explaining uh, your experiences which you know let's face it you're sharing uh, over 30, 30 years 40 years of experience uh, with us which which must you know i mean it it, it is valuable it's extremely valuable experience and it, i'm sure it will help some of the people who are listening to this uh, and hopefully it can be a record as well of um, you know, of what you've done. And I really do hope that we're going to get an opportunity to sit down and, and go a little bit deeper uh, soon. Well, thanks, Richard. I enjoyed you, having you as a interview partner because that was a delightful and uh, intelligent and philosophical conversation. I, I really enjoyed that. <laughs>